Do you know about 80% of listeners to the podcast who listen on any audio platform such as Apple or Spotify haven't yet clicked that follow button? Now, could I ask a really big favour? If you really enjoy the show, please click that follow button within the app. It does wonders for the show that you couldn't believe and it gives me the opportunity to invite better guests on. Now, if you don't believe me, the Ginger General has something to say too. Don't forget to subscribe and hit the like button. Or I'm just gonna like get the camera sorted. Get the camera done. That's it. Oh no, that made it worse. It's, it's cause I it's cause I keep it covered, you know, I keep like a sticker over it if I'm not doing something on camera no are you, are you one of those are you one of those that could like a conspiracy theorists they think that people are spying on your camera uh well it's not about spying it's about like it technology glitches right you know what i mean like, like i've had my phone i've been talking about somebody like gossiping behind their back and like my phone calls them no like, that's Literally, it happened to me before. I think you need to get a new phone. <laughs> so, like, pardon. I think you might need uh, yeah, to get so a I'm new phone. Yeah, so I'm very careful. <laughs> so I'm very careful when it comes to technology because you never know. Like, you never know when something you hit the wrong. There was somebody recently. It was like on the news. Somebody like hit the wrong thing and like recorded themselves doing something that they. There's- didn't nope. intend to record. <laughs> That's not a good thing, is it? But, like, no, it? Oh, 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 oh. I think it was... Anyway, it doesn't matter. Were they doing the nasty, were they? No, but I think they, like, <laughs> thought they were... They thought they were hitting their flashlight on their camera to, like, look at something. Oh, But okay. they were really hitting the record button. I uh, see. That's you a schoolboy. Anyway, I don't know. Don't know. It's Big Brother's always watching, anyway. just in case. You can't go away from it. You never know. You never yeah, know. Yeah, we've invited him in. We've invited him in because, like, he's who we worship now. We worship <laughs> Big Brother. As long as long as he's willing to give us the platform to make fools of ourselves, he is our God. There's nothing. I don't think that's too much to ask, is it? You know, Not it's, at all. It's, 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 it's it just gives a platform to make ourselves look. Like idiots and have fun and laugh about it and joke. It's the best thing ever. That's the best thing ever. Yeah. So, um, so Jenna, I'm it's, it's... an idiot. That's <laughs> why I chose my vocation. I was going to say we'll get to that. There's a, a reason. There is a reason. There is always a reason. It's, it's, it's fate. Every globe. <laughs> but we've all, we've been trying to get on the, the get you on the show for about the best part of a year, really, haven't we? I we know. It's Just... been it's been a little. I was, I was traveling a lot. I did a lot of bouncing around. But we got here eventually. It's just when uh, when you booked town, I was like, ah, Jed, Jed, for oh my god, we got here, we got here in the end, which is good. I mean, I've been trying to get you on because um, as a as a, a professional podcaster that I am, I always do my due diligence and do some research on my guests. That I, I, everyone expects this show to be because it's a professional platform. You know, if any any advertisers and sponsors are out there, it is professional. I swear, <laughs> kind of. But um, but yeah, I've been uh, kind of checking up on obviously everything that's been going on. 
uh, over the past few years with yourself. And I was like, it was just getting, there was so much to go through. There's just so much to go on. It's like, well, you've done this, you've wrote a book, you've done some stand up, you've been in movies, you've been on the stage. I'm like, what the hell? Is, well, is there anything out there you've not done yet? Well, the thing is, like, when you're trying to break into the entertainment business, like, you got to be willing to try things that you didn't think you would do. Okay. You know, and, like, I never thought I would do a one-woman show. I never thought I would do stand-up comedy. Like, I, I never thought I would write a book. Like, you know, but any time someone's like, hey, you know, you're kind of good at that. Like, why don't you try this? Or, you know, you seem like you'd be good at this. Why don't you try that? And then there's the stuff that I'm trying to do because that's the stuff that I'm passionate about. But it's like veering off onto these little tangents. You know, first of all, it helps me develop new skills, which you always need new skills as a performer. Like, you know, even if your goal is to be on a sitcom, doing stand-up comedy, it's not going to hurt you by any means. Uh. And it actually can help you because if you look at several sitcoms they're starring people who started off as stand-up comedians and even if you don't get your own show they cast a lot of their stand-up comedian friends that were like coming up in the scene and going to open mics with them at the same time yeah you do see a lot of that you know that's just kind of yeah so stand-up is just one example but yes so i have tried i've worn a lot of hats and tried a lot of different things trying to find my place and what would you because obviously you've if that had, makes any sense <laughs> of course yeah you've had them um, you mentioned you had uh, you've had many hats on and all that sort of thing it's like um is anything that really kind of stands out to be your favorite i mean what sort of what's what would you say would be number yes. one death what would you go for <laughs> yes being an actor is oh, like really? the number one thing i want to do so I write and I produce and I create projects and I help other people produce their projects and I help other people with feedback on their scripts. And, you know, I'm involved in in so many different aspects of the creative process, but the overreaching goal is to be the performer, you know? So I've developed these other skills along the way and become proficient at them but also having that proficiency has allowed me another door into connecting with creatives uh. and people who i want to work with or eventually will want to work with you know um yeah so that's kind of Basically, <laughs> the acting side of things. I like that. The acting. It's. Um, I mean, you've had you've had um, you've had a, a a pretty impressive resume when it comes to stuff like that as well. So, what what was it? That, have you always been into that since? Because a lot of uh, you see a lot of um, uh, interviews with the actors and actresses and singer songwriters and all that sort of stuff, and they always say, "I've been into it since I was a young girl or a young kid." Is that the same for yourself? Yeah. So I definitely had like you know a predisposition to being very outgoing and performative and 
that also kind of came in tandem with the fact that like I was a super hyper, hyper, hyper child, <laughs> hyperactive. Um, and my mom actually put me into gymnastics. Like I was bouncing off the walls at home. So my mother's like, well, why don't I just put her somewhere where she's supposed to be bouncing off the walls or the floors or the balance beam or whatever. So I started competition at like a very young age at five years old and was training. And so, so I was very comfortable performing because, you know, there's the training aspect and learning the skills and then you put them all together and you perform them for the judges at a competition. So, you know, like, and I did dance class because I was a very ungraceful gymnast. (laughs) So it like made me take ballet and, you know, tried to make me graceful, but I was, I was just kind of like a powerhouse. I was into like the flips and the tricks and the really hard stuff. I wasn't a very like flowy little girl. That's the main thing you do, these sort of like gymnastics. Everyone wants to do the flips and uh, the somersaults, land in their head and bounce back up. That's the whole point of it. Or am I watching the wrong gymnastics? Yeah, no, exactly, exactly. But they also want you to have some grace, you know? <laughs> so anyways, so so that performance stuff was always in me, but not just that. I did start writing like I, I, at a very young age, would watch like TV shows and movies and be like, I want to be in the movie. I want to be in that show. So I started writing when I was eight oh, wow. because I wanted to be Zach Morris's girlfriend on Saved by the Bell. So I started just writing episodes of Saved by the Bell where I was like the new kid at Bayside and I got to be Zach's girlfriend. You know, like that's what my eight-year-old mind did when I wasn't at the gym. So there was always this desire to like want to perform, but also tell stories because like I was writing the plot and kind of writing the story. So I I would write, you know, episodes of all different types of TV shows, um, like handwritten in a little notebook as a child. And then by the time I was in junior high, I wrote like my first screenplay that wasn't based on a pre-existing show or, you know, and and yeah, so I always kind of had that element of wanting to like write and produce, not produce, but like write my own movies and be in them. That was always kind of part of it. But um, when I started auditioning and acting, I was in university when I started taking acting class. I didn't really start auditioning seriously until I was out of school and moved to New York. But it was so hard to get a foot in the door as an actor. I didn't, I, I, I still had written, I over the years kept writing scripts, but I just felt like it, you know, I didn't have the connections yet and I didn't have the means yet. And they were all just kind of like collecting dust, you know, as I'd write them. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, so you, you know, you mentioned, but, but in New York. Sorry, just to jump in there, sorry. Yeah, you mentioned on. about um, yeah, uh, um, getting in contact. Can... <laughs> That's <laughs> all right. I just said about when you when you mentioned it uh, beforehand, you were like kind of auditioning and all that sort of side of things, uh, and getting well the foot in the door. And it was difficult. What would you say? Would, what what made it difficult? Um. Well, I think any time you're starting out, you don't have experience, right? So it's hard to get a job 
when you have no experience. Okay. So, you know, and actors, well, you know, so with actors, like you start going, you go to acting classes and that's a way to kind of find a community. You start auditioning for student films. You do a few student films. You start, you know, you start auditioning for like off, off, off Broadway (laughs) kind of productions, small productions. Because also at this point in time, you don't have a resume. So agents aren't really interested in chatting with you or meeting with you. You're not in any of the unions yet. Uh. Like you're really a blank slate. So when you're a blank slate, it's like, okay, like what? where do where do I begin? And also, I hadn't gone to a conservatory or gotten a degree in performing arts. It was not um my parents were like, that's not gonna happen. <laughs> um, so so I didn't have any of the kind of prep or I wasn't be able I wasn't able to like do a showcase, you know, like the graduating class of, you know, the Yale Drama School, like they get to, you know, there's arranged showcases that are arranged by the schools. You know, there's acting conservatories in New York that do that type of thing. Also, there's always like kind of a big showcase at the end. And you might not necessarily land the agent, but also having a prestigious school on your resume, all of these things at the beginning make a difference. Yeah. And, you know, when when you're starting at zero and i was starting at zero in a new country in a city where i had nobody it's a big step isn't it it's it's a it's a big on my own outside of parents house for my first time ever paying my own way for my first time ever having to work and pay bills you know like all this because i lived at home through college to save money to be able to move to New York, you know, so literally going from, you know, being a child in my parents' house to all of a sudden being in New York and like pounding the pavement, trying to be an actress and make a living and pay my rent and the, 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 that all at once. So there was a huge period of adjustment too. So I think in addition to the challenges of breaking into the business, there's also the challenges of being on your own as a young person for the first time and having reality really smack you in the face. I can imagine it's such a daunting thing for someone like so young as then going to like the biggest city in the world, or one of the most famous cities in the world. And I mean, I did it when I was 19, uh, but I didn't come to the biggest city. I went, I was, I just joined the forces instead. Uh, but even then it was, uh, it was hard work. It was a, a massive wake up call. Yeah, so hard. it's coming from obviously there's probably thousands and thousands of people out there who do that every day uh decide to pack up their bags let's go to the city go to new york and see if we could get uh into the in the industry and that is tough isn't it? it is tough yeah and also a lot of times people are like new york is one of the most densely populated fast-paced you know sensory overloading cities in the entire world so it doesn't really matter where you're coming from unless you're coming from like tokyo or hong kong or you know some some (laughs) big city like that it's gonna be like a huge like you know even even if you're from london new york is a little you know on speed 
compared to compared to London. So yeah, so for that to be like your first, you know, like getting your getting your bearings as an adult, as a person on your own for the first time. <laughs> well drawing. But Did- I was up for it. I wanted to do it. I was I was like, you know, still bouncing off the walls, antsy, wanting, you know, like eye on the prize had like the discipline and the training of an athlete and was just focused and going for it brilliant when 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 did your like kind of like your first major break hit what happened there so when i was in new york i was with a couple different theater companies one was a mime company so yes i was a mime it was great they trained us it was some of the best training i ever had Um, I didn't know it at the time. I didn't know it at the time, but especially as somebody who has done a one-person show, and I've actually done two one-person shows, where in each play I played several characters. One play I I played 10 characters. The other play I played seven characters. This physical work and being able to isolate specific gestures and postures and physicality turned out to be one of the biggest assets I had as a, as a performer for those productions. It's quite unusual. For my show, I, I just wore all black and I would like snap into different people just physically. And the audience would know, you know, like that character just from my body language before I even started speaking with their voice or their accent. Um, but anyway, and one of the other companies I was with, I ended up running after I was with them for about a year. I ended up running the company for a few years. So that's how I learned how to produce. That's how I learned story development. I learned about casting and all the while was like working lighting and sound and picking up slack, like helping with costumes. It's like you do whatever needs to get done, you know, in these like low budget indie situations. So that was my theater school. That was my conservatory. That was my education, like being in the trenches in the East Village, actually doing it. I mean, that, that's the best way to do it sometimes is learn by doing. I mean, I'm a big fan of doing that, you know, and uh, I think a lot of successful people have come from that sort of like kind of uh, mythology and mythology. Is that, or did I just make up a word? I don't know. But uh, that way of thinking and that way of doing things is learning by doing. And uh, it shows that you do actually pick up skills that are very rare, that a lot of people who have been in the, probably I would I would imagine, so I'm guessing, in the industry for about 10, 15 years who still haven't achieved that yet. Yeah, and not just that, something that I've learned just from being somebody who does produce and work behind the scenes in film and theater, and I've been doing this for almost two decades now. I haven't gone to film school or theater school, but I've had that practical experience. And especially early on, I worked on a lot of projects that went wrong. And because I worked on a lot of things that didn't have enough resources, didn't have enough time, had situations, people had to be replaced, things were falling apart. I actually feel like I have a lot stronger skills than some people, you know, who have the education from these schools, but have only worked under kind of ideal circumstances where, you know, they requisition all the equipment and they have everything they need and, 
you know, everybody has to, there's a group that has to work on everybody's project. So it's like, you know, you just have a lot more resources than, you know, when you're doing it guerrilla style indie, working your way up, you know, and I'm not, I'm not saying like film school isn't good. Like, you know, looking back, if I could reorchestrate my life, I would have gone to film school yeah. instead of getting a degree in philosophy. But I also never knew I would be directing and that I would be producing this much and that I would be considered a filmmaker about my life, you know, went out on a tangent. Like I knew I wanted to act, write my movies and act in them. But I didn't think I would be doing any of the things in between. Well, it just, it just it comes to show that there isn't just one direct way of doing things that everyone thinks that's the, the, the way to do it. It's like, come out of high school, get yourself into film school, do this, do that. But obviously, you've shown that that's not the only way you can do it. And that hopefully, that hopefully gives that uh, another young young people out there a little bit of hope that they still can do stuff without having a fancy degree and all that sort of thing. Well, when you're a creative, ultimately it comes down to your imagination. You know, when people talk about talent, what is talent? What sets one artist apart from the other? What sets, what makes a, one person a better writer than the other or a better painter than the other? It's not about who can write the best words or has a steadier hand for the breaststrokes. It's about who has the best imagination. You know, um, okay. and just because you didn't take the traditional route and go to the right school or take the right course, you know, some people who are the best writers in Hollywood started out with completely different careers, whether, you know, you, you, they were lawyers or doctors or whatever, and now they're writing on ER or, you know, <laughs> like Law and Order. Like, well, people have who are writing these shows have to know what they're doing. You know what I mean? Like they're not Pretty pulling sure. it out of thin air. Like, you know, um, so, so basically it comes down to, you know, your creativity and your imagination and that's, what's going to set you apart. And anyone can be a great storyteller. And if you have a great story to put out there, whether it's for film or for theater or or a book or an audio book, there are teams of people that it takes to make these things fly anyways. <laughs> even if you're, you know, even if you're John Grisham or Steven Spielberg, you're not out there by yourself. You're getting the best of the best of the best in each position possible yeah. that needs to be on your team to help you move forward to make the best thing possible. You know, so like when I stepped up to direct my first time, my whole thing was like, I'm not a director. I don't know how to direct. I don't know about lenses. I don't know about lighting. I don't know about camera movement. I don't, there were so many things I didn't know, but I knew I wanted to tell a specific story in a very avant-garde, non-linear way that I didn't feel like a, hiring a director, which I have done with every project in the past, was going to be able to like get my vision the way I wanted it. Yeah. You know, but I hired a cinematographer and a camera team and actors and 
I, I, I put everybody around me to set myself up for the best possible outcome. Yes, yeah, you know, and, and didn't, because if I focused on my lack of experience and my lack of confidence in every aspect of capturing something on film, other than telling an emotionally driven story in a way that's going to affect people, that's all I worried about. Yeah. Well, that you makes, know, and I sense. let everybody else. And I would let everybody else, you know, I let the lighting guys worry about the lighting. I let the camera movement worry about the camera. You know what I mean? And... But also as a creative, like, I don't like to micromanage. I like to hire a team where I think everybody is going to do it a million times better than me. That's why they're there. That's that's what they get paid to do, you know. I mean, your profession is obviously the directing side and obviously in front of the camera. And obviously you've proven you can do it behind. I mean, it's you're not a lighting person, you know. Why would you try and be a, a lighting person? You're not a cin cinematographer. That that's There's other people that can do that. You know, let them be that. Let you concentrate on the main thing that uh, you want to focus on, and that's being the creative side of things. Yeah, and the only reason I ever stepped up as a director is because I just had this kind of out there idea that I'm like, I don't think anyone else could, you know. And I and I I also just looked at it as an experiment and when I called everybody to ask them to come work on it I just asked them to come experiment with me for a day because I don't know if it's going to turn out and I don't think we can call it a film just yet <laughs> with this, with this... <laughs> you know so like how do you hire a director to do that <laughs> I mean where about this um the creativeness come from have you got how how do you do you just like you know this always baffles me especially with uh obviously like kind of performers and artists and musicians um that always baffles me when where do the ideas come from do you just like walk down the street and then all of a sudden it just comes to you or is it a gradual process no it comes from life oh so for example like i'll i'll take this film for example that i wrote so the film's called details it's a short film um went to festival we shot it in 2018 it's gone to a few festivals and basically it is a short play that i wrote about a couple having an argument about infidelity Ooh. and it's clear that they've been having this argument for several months maybe a year at this point and they've gotten into the routine that many couples do is this becomes like a repetitive argument every so often. You know, yeah. when when something else comes up, this always resurfaces. And the couple's kind of at a point where it's like you either have to break up or you just have to accept it and put it in the past and move on and stop talking about it. You know, and it's it's actually something that could work with a straight couple or a lesbian couple or a gay couple or a trans, it, it doesn't really matter. The dialogue is so universal that yeah. you could just insert a male or a female in either role and it works. And I had worked on it in showcases as a, a, a female, a, a lesbian relationship and I'd worked on it as a straight relationship. And for the film, I wanted to show several different relationships have the exact same fight and then cut it together as one fluid piece. 
which is what we did. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. So, so that piece, I actually wrote when I was 22. I wrote it like so long ago. And it stemmed from somebody was pursuing me who was already in a relationship. Ooh. And I just kind of, my, my imagination just went to writing a play about the two of them having an argument about his infidelity had I made the decision to have an affair with him. Oh, wow. So I, I never had the affair with him, and I never did. But you know what I mean? But that's just where my mind went. But you can, you, you, it has, that's the, 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 the foundations, really, as you mentioned before. That's enough to kind of build on something else with it. On a creative aspect, so you obviously you created the play. Yeah, so, so that's the thing. It's like everything that I've, that I've written about, there's like a kernel of some sort of truth that I've experienced. And I just kind of find a way to like turn it into a metaphor, like insert that emotion into a metaphorical scenario. And um, I, I guess that's where a lot of my work comes from. Yeah, just kind of processing things that are coming up for me and putting them into like a universal kind of way of doing things. Or maybe yeah. not universal, but just putting it into something metaphorical where you could never tell what the real story was. Uh, okay. I like mean, where did... my real story <laughs> lands <laughs> yeah. in the piece. So everyone's going to be listening to this and going to go back and look, watch all your films and go, right, what bit's real? What, what came from Jen's real life right now? What are we looking at? What's real and what's not? And then it'll just be like a an ongoing trivia. Every every movie you make, you'll be like, right, what's Jen's real real passion? What what, what was real in this part? You know, well, could be a game. The biggest thing with the book after people read it is they want to know. Excuse me, I'm thirsty. <laughs> You're they right. want to know in which what's real and what's not real. I was gonna get. I was gonna kind of go into the book as well because uh, obviously another one of your incredibly many talents that you've got as uh, author has been ticked off recently as well. So it was the play that I did, the one woman play. We adapted it. Well, we, me, I adapted <laughs> it into a novel. Um, no, but I have like people, you know, I have like my artist and my editor and, you know, it, it's not one person. Like it is a team. Um, yeah. So, yes. I adapted it into a novel and it 2022 was a pretty crazy year for the year of the what um it it hit number one on amazon in 2021 so Ooh. became a bestseller and then it won five literary awards in 2022 wow just just five is that it you know what i mean just so, yeah <laughs> I know that's what I'm saying like it was a crazy it was a crazy year like I wasn't expecting that yeah like, hitting number one on Amazon was pretty was pretty exciting and then one of the literary magazines that reviewed it named it best rom-com of the year which was like super exciting but then um it got the gold medal at the global book awards for coming of age books 
Oh, and nice. the bronze medal at the Independent Publishing Awards for romance slash erotica ebooks. Oh, is it as well as like kind of naughty books? Is it or is it just a little bit? Is that a bit blue? Well, it so it's basically about this naive girl from Canada going through like her first major breakup. Like she was together with this guy for four years, it didn't work out, and she kind of goes on this year of discovery. Um, you know, she kind of goes on this like sexual adventure and um but it's more about learning about herself as opposed to you know, like the guys and the and the relationships and things like that cuz ultimately she's like looking for the one that's uh, her goal that's what she wants um, we all... but also a lot of women still don't really know who they are yet yeah and you know like women who were you know, maybe a little more sheltered or a little naive and um yeah so basically the whole thing is it's like it's about how she has to fall in love with herself before she can fall in love with anybody else. Okay. So it seems like, uh, obviously, he's got a lot of praise. It, yes, it, does have, it does have, you know, some racy moments and some outrageous plot points and things like that. Like, it's definitely, <laughs> like, fun and, and racy and definitely out there. But also, compared to things like Euphoria, not that out there no, okay. <laughs> you know, it just depends where you are on this have you put on there have you put on there loosely based on a true story as it's obviously written by yourself and that sort of thing you what so i'm now That's wondering it's actually oh on the inside title it says based on a true story dot 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 kind of <laughs> hey there we go because it is kind of <laughs> kind of but he's obviously but he's like kind of this, just the exaggerated truth a little bit. That's what we call it, don't we? Yeah. You know, you need to have a story arc. You need to have, like, the, you know, there is a structure to literature, too, you know. Yeah, that's it. Uh, you have to have some sort of, like, kind of understanding of uh, how to do it, you know. Like always... a build-up and a plot resolution in and, you know. Yeah. It, the story has to, like, sense and be cohesive, and it also has to go somewhere. You want to see the characters go on a journey. And you don't want to see them, you know, like you want to see them evolve or maybe they don't evolve, but that's also, that, that would be a choice, a story choice. But, um, yeah, so that's exciting. It was, it's a, it's a fun, it's a fun book. I can imagine it is really good. I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's obviously romantic comedies, you know I mean? I don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm, I'm into my films. I do like a good romantic comedy every now and again. Don't get me wrong. One of my favorite films is, uh, a romantic comedy, so I'm okay. I'm okay to say that. But um, it's, a, it's a serendipity. It's an old one with John Cusack. Oh, yes. I love that. I one. remember it, that. One. It's just uh, it's. I just remember it's just a story to all. I was like, oh, this is. It's not a, the greatest film in the world, but it's just the story behind it is actually quite nice. It's like, oh, that's cool. It's cool. I quite like this. So I've always uh, thought so that was good. So this book. No, like and um, you look. You'll appreciate this because of the conversation we had um, prior to going live. Go ahead. But um, so when I tell people like 
people are like, oh, you know, like, what's the book? Like, if I'm doing a book signing or a book event, I just tell people, read the first sentence. And you'll know from the first sentence whether or not you want to get the book. <laughs> so, chapter one, December, used. Who the fuck is Candace? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's the that's like the best opening line to a book in the world. I love it. It's great. <laughs> and I'm like, if you want to know who Candace is, get the book. Get the if book. If you don't care, well, then then don't. I uh, know that's that's a great advertisement. You, 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 you should use that as an advertisement feature on kind of billboard. If you want to know who Candace yeah. is, who the fuck is Candace? You've just made your You can't. I, the, original, the original title of the show is Year of the Slut. And oh, I originally gosh. published the book with that title and it didn't fly. I had to rebrand and retitle the whole thing, get a new ISBN number and wow. everything. Was that just because the advertisers? Because I can't even advertise slut. Yeah. yeah. So the F-bomb will not fly, but I wish I could. Like, I can't even read it and, like, post the video in an ad. Oh, it's shock. See, advertisements and all that is crap, you know. I mean, that was, I think that's a, that's a good title as well, you know, the year of the slut. I mean, it's uh, at least it tells you straight off the bat what it's all about. But um, it's, uh, exactly. you know, they always say like, stuff but like that sells. But as soon as you open it up, on the front cover page, it does say, you know, based on the award-winning play Year of the Slut. So oh, that's people cool. get a sense of it. And is... uh, yeah, I'm not trying to hide that it's based, you know, that it's based on that. I just can't have it on the front cover and get any ads approved on social media or Amazon. I know you need to get it out there. You need to get it out. So it's obviously available now. Is it just is it on Amazon or good bookstores and stuff like that? Yeah. So Amazon and um, any bookstore should be able to get it in for you. Um, you know, I'm not quite sure who the booksellers are in the UK, but it's on Amazon.uk, so it, it's available there. Beautiful. Um, there's also an audio and a Kindle, so any way you like to consume, um, it's available on all three platforms. Did you do the audio audio book yourself? <laughs> I did. How I was did. that? And so it was hard. Um, like I figured that I did the play and a friend of mine is the one who convinced me to do the audiobook. And I actually had to record the whole thing twice because the first time around I had some technical problems and couldn't use it. Um, right. So then after I finished the second recording, my friend is like, oh, now you can write a how-to book. So uh, my second go. book, my second number one bestseller is Make Your Own Break which is the name of my consulting business, Make Your Own Break, How to Record and Publish Your Audiobook in Seven Simple Steps. Wait, you two books? You see, you've got two books? You're just showing off now, Jen. What's going on? You know? just. just... So I, I have a third one also, but we don't need to talk about it. <laughs> I was going to mention about the voiceover work as well, because I, I, do, I do some voiceover work myself, you know, and it, it is a nightmare. It is a pain in the ass sometimes. It's like, oh, my God, and... One of the ones, I did some voiceover work for, it was a YouTube channel, and one of the guys, he's like, uh, it's an F1, uh, Formula One racing, and he wanted me to do, like, ongoing, like, 10-minute, seven, 10-minute videos for him. And I don't mind it. Mm -hmm. I can do it great, no problems. 
but the names of all these people that I had to to describe and go into detail about, I had I got it wrong thirty times. Each one I had to record it again and again and again. And um, it's hard work, you know. As a Scotsman, English is hard work for me. So me trying to like I say like German names and Russian names and uh looking at it because they don't. Yeah. I, had to, I had to Google the names. I had to sit there and Google the names to see what the pronunciation was and how you say them because I didn't know what it was. Oh my goodness! Yeah, it is. It's 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 tough work. People don't realize it. Um especially when you're reading copy it's a little easier yeah. when you're like being interviewed and on the podcast and stuff but when you're actually reading copy it's so hard not to stumble over your words like yeah. you really need to practice and practice so in the book that's part of you know the steps like doing vocal exercises every day for a month before you even attempt to do it and i liken it to running a marathon you're not going to wake up one day and be like i'm going to marathon today <laughs> so think of like reading an entire book as a marathon for your voice okay that's good yeah good way to do like that. you need to prep for that that is something you prep for like when i was working on my one woman show like sure i had been acting for before for years and i knew about doing vocal exercises and stuff before a show but when you do a one woman show and your voice is carrying the the whole piece for an hour and 20 minutes on stage wow with nobody else to interject other than a couple of sound cues yeah you need to get your voice in shape so if you're going to be reading a chapter that's going to be an hour long probably it'll take you more than an hour because Ugh. you're going to flub over words and have to go back and start paragraphs over and whatever. You do it all in one take. You edit it out. You know, yeah. you pause, take a breath, go back. But you're going to be in the booth for an hour. You can't do that to your voice and do it several days a week and expect to be okay. Yeah. You know, so so that's part of like what I talk about in the book is like you really have to train your voice and not just that on the days that you're recording a chapter you better be reading that chapter one or two times before you even oh, yeah. go into the booth out loud of course you know so that's also another how many so that's even if you're in the booth for an hour you're still using your voice for another couple hours outside the booth that day yeah you know like this is when vocal work gets super important and a lot of people think it's not something they need to worry about That's but it. it is oh of course i i i completely understand where you're coming from there it's uh many a time i've fumbled over and had to redo the whole thing over and over and over again and even after about two or three hours after doing it it's your voice really starts to kind of it feels grokey it's it's it aches it's like as you're working out you're basically it's a muscle with it yeah you're vocal cords. yeah you're tired and after that i just don't want to talk to anyone they're muscles and they get tired exactly just as if you were lifting weights. So if you're not going to, you know, give your body the benefit of training a little bit before you run that marathon, you know, you're going to run, run the mouth marathon <laughs> <laughs> and it'll, it'll take its fall. And, uh, and this, this is available in obviously Amazon, all good bookstores as well sort of thing, is it? Yes. And that one ironically does not have an audio book. 
because there's <laughs> a lot of um well there's some diagrams um, uh, okay. showing you how to use the editing software and also i provide um all the ec uh, vocal exercises and a schedule of vocal exercises and that's not something that is going to be effective on an audio it's yeah, something you need to sense. actually like see the tongue twisters and you know see the you know whatever <laughs> so all right not an audio book but a little very with your audio book so what's so what you mentioned at 2022 so what's up next what's 2023 got in store for you jen you know as of right now i'm just chilling i <laughs> i had such a year well the thing is i had such a big year last year that my i'm not trying to top it you know what i mean like I'm not because I know a lot of people would be like oh my god this means that I have to I have to you know capitalize on the momentum and I have to get my next book out and I have to do this and I have to do that and for me I'm just like eh, I, I'm gonna relax <laughs> I do have a short film um I have a short film that we made in the summer it's called the penis fairy and um that's we started submitting that to festivals recently. It's about a girl who decided to go vegan and is torturing her boyfriend um, for protein. So it <laughs> you get how, we get the, the idea. <laughs> is that so it, it flips the alternate fantasy on its head and, and turns it into his worst nightmare. Um, <laughs> Love it. So that's that's. The latest. It hasn't come out yet, but we'll be doing the festival circuit in 2023. So that's it. That's really, that's all I got. It's exciting stuff. Well, obviously, as you can imagine, with the jam packed uh, last year, I think you, uh, I think you deserve a nice little kind of chilled out year for a change. You know, so that's not too bad. There's like always stuff brewing, yeah, you know, and I'm sure, I'm sure things are going to come up. Um, but just as of right now, I'm just trying to like stay in the mindset of not forcing myself, you know, because I feel like as a creative, I'm just so much better when I when I don't put pressure on myself. Makes and sense. the old me, the me from like pre-pandemic, I guess, <laughs> um, would be like, oh my god, like I, you know, I need to do like seven thousand things now, and it's just like, no, actually, you can take a step back. Take Great. a step back. Chow it out. Chow it out. Well, Jen, it's been an absolute pleasure. I have to wrap it up, unfortunately, but it's been an absolute pleasure having you on. It's uh, It's been fantastic. Uh, thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, we, need to, we need to sort something out later on in the year when you're a, a little bit less busy, as you mentioned. We'll have you on again. and we, I'm sure we can chat about lots more stuff. For sure. Well, it's been fun chatting, Ryan. I appreciate it. No problem at all. And where can people find you on the socials? Where was the best places to come reach out to you? Yeah, the at sign, and then I am Jen Lieberman. Brilliant. And so that's it. Twitter, that's it. Facebook, Instagram, I am Jen Lieberman. Brilliant. And uh, obviously, way. we'll put all your links, uh, obviously, to the books and all that sort of stuff on Amazon in the description when we publish. Thanks. So, guys, if you're listening, look below. Pick up the books, go for it. Uh, it sounds like a, a hell of a book to read, so I think I might grab one myself, sort of thing, and enjoy that at the weekend. So that'll be good fun. So, but Jim, thank you so much. Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure. I want to know your feedback. <laughs> I'll, do I'll write a review. I'll, I'll get on this one as well. Sounds good. <laughs>